We're going to ask that every head be bowed, every eye be closed as we go before the mattress throne of God. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We come before you, our Father, this evening, recognizing that thou art God. And beside thee, there is no other. We recognize, our Father, that you are God and that there are no contenders for your throne. For you are God all by yourself. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for plucking the richest flower that blossomed in your paradise and sent to earth your only begotten son. We came to this low land of sorrow and found it wallowing in the cesspool of immorality and went out yonder and died on that old rugged cross that we might be able to call you our Father. We thank you equally, our Father, for your Holy Spirit that you have given to us to guide us and to comfort us and to serve as our friend and a helper as we make our way in this old unfriendly world. We would ask even now that you will let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of him who walked the boisterous waters and calmed the raging sea, called Lazarus from the grave and said yes to the cross. It is in his name we pray. Amen. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you tonight. Uh, I'm just gratified to be in uh, St. Louis. This, is, of course, is not my first time in St. Louis. I used to come in here all the time. Uh, we go way back to Page Boulevard yeah, yeah. and Roscoe Moore, and we uh, baptized a number of folk uh, in this city uh, in years past. And so it is uh, an absolute uh, pleasure uh, to be back in St. Louis uh, once again. I've, uh, I'm just grateful to see uh, so many of you that were back there at that time and shared with us in the preaching of the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. I want to congratulate the committee, those who are in charge and were in charge of the program. Uh, I am just ecstatic about your souvenir book. Uh, a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Uh, undertaking. If you don't have a souvenir book, you need to get one. And you need to treasure it and you need to keep it because it certainly has 
has some great historical information in it. And, uh, and one thing we do not want to do, we do not want to ever forget our history. Because if you forget where you come from, then you will never get where you think you're going. And so it is certainly a pleasure, and I want to congratulate not only that, but Raph and, uh, and his wonderful wife and, and family. Uh, this is a signal honor for him. Uh, Raph and I uh, go back uh, quite a way. Where is Raph? Is he in the house? Uh, he's got to be here. Uh, raise your hand, Raph. Oh, I see you. Okay, I see you. It's kind of hard for me to see these days, but I see you. And uh, is Effie back there with you? Uh, Effie, is Effie back there? Uh, that is your wife. That's her name, right? <laughs> well, that's okay. I'll I, I leave that alone. <laughs> but Raph, I knew Raph before he was preaching. And uh, I went into Denver, Colorado years ago to do a gospel meeting. And the RAF was my chauffeur. And uh, he, I won't tell you anything else, but he had the, the raggedest car I've ever seen in all my life. <laughs> uh, and each evening we get to the church, he had to get out, come around to open the door. And I couldn't open it from the inside. <laughs> But, uh, but God has blessed Ralph. Uh, he has blessed Ralph. And, and I don't know what he's driving now, but whatever it is, uh, it's got to be a better blessing <laughs> than what he drove me around in. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. I uh, hopefully won't be uh, it won't be long. I, uh, I have a very uh, highfalutin subject here, um, and it's called the amnesia of apostasy. The amnesia of apostasy. And the verse uh, that relates to that, of course, is uh, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. If you have your Bibles and you wish to read with us, uh, I'll read orally, you read silently, and hopefully I shan't, uh, I shan't be long. Um, uh, don't believe that, but, yeah. but, but, <laughs> 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 but, but <laughs> I, I say that all the time, I shan't be long, uh, and uh, because it sounds so British, that's the only thing that, uh, <laughs> in the sixth chapter, of the book of Jeremiah, that great weeping prophet, uh, Jeremiah had these words. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old path, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your soul. But they said, 
we will not walk therein. Now, of course, I could spend an hour just on what the people said. Uh, because what it does is it goes to the question of amnesia, uh, forgetting where they had come from, uh, forgetting what God had done for them. And to the point that they would point their little bony fingers in the face of God and says, we will not walk therein. Well, we find ourselves at a juncture uh, in our existence as a church that is very serious. Uh, it is serious because some of us, not all of us, but some of us are suffering from the amnesia of apostasy. Yes, and, and of course, uh, uh, I'm going to open that up a bit more and, and show you by the word of God that uh, that apostasy is, is possible. And not only is it possible, but it is contagious. So you have to be careful uh, what you hear. You have to be careful who you hear. Uh, because if I or anyone preach or teach a doctrine, that cannot be predicated and backed up by the Bible, then you need to be very careful. Now, I recognize that we're living in a, in a dangerous time. We're living in a, uh, what Paul describes as uh, a perilous age. But even in spite of that, uh, we're going to have to be careful about where we place our faith. Uh, your faith must be in the Bible, the word of God. For the grass will wither and the flowers will fall away, but the word of God will stand forever. And so uh, it is important Therefore, that all of us who are members of the body of Christ do not forget what our principles are. Do not forget whom we serve. Do not forget whom we follow. Do not forget what Jesus did out there on the hilltops of Calvary. Uh, don't forget that he hung bled and died to establish a church that is rock bottom and hell proof. And so uh, the, the topic tonight is uh, the amnesia uh, of apostasy. Uh, it's, it's appropriate therefore that uh, I define the words of the text. Uh, the amnesia of apostasy. Now the word amnesia simply means a condition where 
in the process of living, one becomes unable to recall personal events of living. Number two, uh, amnesia is a tendency to forget events of the past and present. In other words, there is a deficit in one's memory. Now, of course, uh, the word apostasy. Uh, the word apostasy, if you celebrate it, you will have A-P-O uh, dash S-T-A-S-I-S. -S. And the word apo simply means away from. Now, uh, uh, apostasy means, or the last uh, part of the word means uh, to stand. So the first word, if the first part means, and the first part does mean uh, away from, and the last syllable of the word uh, simply means uh, to stand. So when you put it together, it means to stand away from. And so that's what we're going to be talking about uh, for, the next, uh, for the next few minutes. Now, the word also means abandonment. It means renunciation. It means defection from the truth. And the Bible is replete. Uh, the Bible is replete with warnings to those of us uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, the, the prophet reminds us that every word of God is true. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. Add not to his word, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found alive. What does that mean? That means that it is important, therefore, that we anchor ourselves, anchor our conviction, anchor our way of living, anchor our lifestyle, anchor all that we do in the word of God and in Jesus Christ himself. And just know that every word of God is true, not just some of it. All of it is true. And, and it is our responsibility as people of God to believe all that the Bible says. Now, of course, we understand that it must be rightly divided. But uh, the principle that we follow when it comes to the Bible, the word of God is, we believe every word of it is a word from God. And then, of course, uh, Paul uh, talked quite a bit about apostasy. He talked about uh, the great falling away. Uh, he warned his uh, son in the gospel, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. You know what the Bible says. It shall come to pass in the last days or in the latter days. Some, S-O-M-E. I'm glad he said some. I'm glad he said S-O-M-E and not S-U-M. But he said, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, yes, sir. having their conscience seared 
with a hot iron. And then he goes on uh, to the second volume, uh, chapter number four, and he said to the young man, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come. Yeah. And I suppose if the apostle could rewrite that, he would say the time has come. Yeah. That some would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience said with a hot iron. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of that ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then he goes on to say, there's laid up for him a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, would give him in that day, but not to him only, but to all of them that love his. And then Paul writes a lot about this business of apostasy. And in the third chapter of the book of Galatians, he looked like he was a little upset. And he said, oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? I mean, who fooled you? You know better. You know better. And Paul said, what's wrong with you people? I have taught you. And, and I prayed for you. You understand I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You understand that I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. You understand that your baptism in Romans 6 was according to God's eternal purpose. He said, now uh, you have become foolish because you have allowed someone to beguile you. And, and, and of course, uh, that's how we step away. That's how we move uh, in, uh, into apostasy. Now, how does God feel about that? Well, uh, uh, if you have your Bibles, then turn to Isaiah chapter number one. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll get to where I'm going in a minute. Uh, but I want to set this up. Isaiah chapter number one. You preachers know what it says. And, uh, but it's about apostasy. And it's about amnesia on the part of the people of God. And it's heart-rending. It is heart-rending as Isaiah talks about it. And he says in verse number three, as he talks to the people of Israel. And this is what he's talking. He's talking about apostasy here. And not only is he talking about apostasy, but he's talking about the amnesia of apostasy. He says in verse number three, the ox, watch how he phrases this thing. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doeth not know. My people did not consider. He's talking to his folk. He's talking to the folk that he brought out of slavery after 400 years. He's talking to folk that he carried across the Red Sea. He's talking to folk uh, whom he has fed with bread from heaven and gave them water from the rock. He says, now you folk that I have taken care of 40 years in the wilderness, 
and your shoes didn't get old and your clothes didn't get old on you. No matter whether you got fat or not, it doesn't matter. The, 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 the larger you got, the more your clothes expanded. God says, now I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And, and, and this is how he talks to them. Watch how he talks to them. I'm not talking to you like that. I'm just telling you what God is in his religion. <laughs> because somebody may want to back me to death. I don't want to make you mad. He said, the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doeth not know my people. My people. Folk who ought to know better. Folk who ought to know the scripture better. And that's why gospel preachers need to preach the gospel. That's why gospel preachers, uh, there's nothing wrong with hermeneutics. There's nothing wrong with exegesis. And I, I, and, and I do it all the time. So I'm guilty of that. But every now and then, somebody ought to talk about the one Lord. The one faith. And the one baptism. Our churches, doors are closing. All across this nation, doors of churches of Christ are being closed. Services are being shut down. Well, how can you love God and come to a conclusion that one time is enough? You don't think that way when you go to work. I want to say amen when you can. And verse number four says, All sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. And watch what he says. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away. Yeah, they've gone away, all right. But the Bible says they have gone away. Instead of going forward, they went backward. Now, and then the Bible says, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. And then he describes them. He said, the whole head is sick. And the whole heart is faint. It's important that when you go to church, you need to hear some Bible. You need, uh, our folk need to be taught what it is that they're supposed to be doing. There are so many congregations, uh, members, is a sad aspect. They don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. They think going to church is just having a good time. But I've come to tell you that we must be, in order to be a child of God, we must be compassionate and passionate about what Jesus was passionate about. And of course, we've totally forgotten evangelism. We've totally forgotten that we're supposed to be baptizing people. We've totally forgotten about gospel meetings, seminars and conferences, and, 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 and other kinds of gathering when, when, when we ought to be out in the street telling somebody about Jesus. 
Jesus four times told his disciples, I need you to go. I've done all I can do here. I have died for the sins of the world. I'm going to establish my church. Now you get out there and, and compel them to come into my house that my house might be filled. That's our job. But my churches are withering. Our churches are dying. And they're dying because of a lot of reasons. Churches go a whole year, baptize nobody. And that's your purpose. That's my purpose. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to baptize and bring souls to Jesus. Our job is to show the difference between truth and error. Our job is not to please folk. Our job is to tell it like it is. And, and we, need, we need more of our leaders and more of our preachers to stand up for what's right. And understand that the doors, I was reading the other day, uh, I don't want to get into this, of how many churches of Christ doors have closed in the last 10 years. And the congregation of the church of Christ have just closed, that doors are closed. Well, why are they closed? Nobody in there. Nobody in there. Just died out. Weathered on the vine. No interest in bringing souls to Jesus. No interest. No interest. No gospel meeting. Seminar. Conferences. Now, of course, don't get the impression I'm against a seminar. Don't get the impression I'm against a conference. But what I'm saying is that should take second place to what our real purpose is. And so God says in verse 5 why should you be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. Watch this. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart is faint. Now this is a description of the people of God. We are not describing denominations. We are describing the people of God. Where our interests have changed. Well, we get inspired by something other than the preaching of the word. And I've come to tell you that we need to uh, refine our zeal. We need to take a look at ourselves and try to figure out why, why, why do I exist? Why am I here? Why did God save me? He saved you to save somebody else. That's your responsibility. Now, I could give you some history. I could tell you about, uh, about how we established churches back in the day. Because 99% of all the congregations now was established by folk like myself and others. Back in the day. In them tent meetings and, 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 and uh, open air meetings and uh, baptizing folk by the hundreds. But the problem we are having today in the church 
of Christ is among our folk is that we that, that there is no establishment of new congregations nobody is going out establishing new congregations that is baptizing folk what we are doing now is we are just splitting the one that we are in and go down the street and start up a new church yeah, I told you you should have given me that gift before I got up here. <laughs> or after I got up here. That's our job. I remember years ago that uh, I used to preach uh, against denominationalism. I was talking about how churches split and talked about uh, uh, the, the Baptist church and the Methodist church and, and, and First Baptist split and then, the, uh, then that split split and then that split split and then you got first Baptist and second Baptist and third Baptist and fourth Baptist and I just, I just had a field day. That church split and that split split and that split split and that split split and I said that's denominationalism. But now, we need to change our concept on who we are as a people of God. Uh, there was a time, see there was a time when, uh, when, when splitting a church was taboo. You don't split a church. What you do, if, 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 if I'm at a church and it's not working, then, I'm, then, then uh, what the brother makes sure you go somewhere else and maybe uh, we'll recommend you someplace else. You don't split a church. You, you don't destroy a church. You don't destroy the temple of God. But that's not the case now. The case now is, I'm, I, I'll, and, and the, same, the same scenario I just gave you, and, and then they, that split split, and, and, and then uh, when you get over across town, and the folk that went with you find out that you ain't what they thought you were, and then now we got another split, and, and, and now we, I'm speaking from experience. Don't look at me funny. I'm speaking from experience. I'm telling you, we need to reorder our priorities. That sounds like I'm fussing, but I'm not. I'm just reading here. Uh, uh, verse number six, the Bible says, from the soul, watch this, from the soul of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are, listen, God is talking to his people. He's not talking to the world, he's talking to his folk. They have reached a point of amnesia and they have forgotten who brought them to where they are. And so God reminds them through the prophet and he says, your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers divide in, a pre in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by, by strangers. 
in verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. One reason some churches ex existing and existing now is because there's a faithful few in there. There's a faithful few in there. They may not say much, but Aunt Maddie and Uncle Henry over here, they, 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 they've been in there all their lives and, and, and they've heard the gospel and they know what the gospel is and, 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 and they know when preaching ain't preaching. And, uh, but they're there every time the door opens. God calls them a remnant. God calls them a remnant. And, you know, even John the Revelator talked to the church at Sardis, and he told them that they, uh, it was pretty good. Uh, but he said that they still had some problems. As a matter of fact, all seven of those churches had problems. But then he spoke about Sardis, and you remember, he said, uh, but there are a few names. There'll always be a few. There are a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white because they are worthy. There'll always be someone. There'll always be a few that can get a prayer through. Now everybody in there won't be able to get one through, but there'll always be a few. And it's because of that few that God spares us some time to come uh, to ourselves. We are witnessing the greatest departure from apostolic doctrine in the history of the modern church. Our church seem uh, to be taking a kamikaze dive into the cesspool of modernism, humanism, human secularism, existentialism. I don't want time to explain these words, they're, they're big words, and make me look educated, but, um, but they have significant meaning. Modernism. We want to be like everybody else. I mean, we, we look at TV, and, and we see the, the, the big preachers, and, and with those big bands back there, and, and we figure that's how you grow your church. No, you don't grow your church that way. You grow your church by preaching the truth. Because the church doesn't belong to you anyway. It doesn't belong to me anyway. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And it's our job to be good stewards of the kingdom of God. And so uh, we're caught up in modernism. Caught up in modernism. No, I time to deal with that, but I wish it did. Uh, modernism. We want to just be like. Yeah, I want to be like. And, and I want to be like. No, what you really want to do, you want to live so and preach so that uh, the other preachers want to be like you. You see, you want the world to be like you. You, you want the world to look at you and want to be like you because they see something different in you. 
Because I read the other day that we are the light of the world. That's what I read the other day. We are a city that is set on a hill and we cannot be hidden. And so it's important to understand these dynamics. And then while I'm on that, let me just say this to you. One of our problems in our, in, in our body is that we are unable to separate the, the sacred from the secular. Uh, there is a battle between the sacred and the secular. We don't even know when our worship becomes secular. We, we, we've gotten to the point in some places we don't understand what sacred worship is. Oh, I'm coming down the line and I'll be there. You, you feel me coming. Uh, modernism. Modernism. And we try to legitimize it sometimes by saying, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, who died and made you an apostle? If the Bible does not back it up, if the Bible does not support it, then it doesn't matter what I think. Because God's ways, Isaiah said, are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so is God's ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts now to the question before us I'll be through in a minute um, I mean you know, there has been an uproar my phone had jumped off the hook not jumped literally jumped off the hook uh, but every day a bombardment of calls Doc, uh, uh, what you think about this? And I told one preacher, I said, you know, I'm surprised you called me. I'm surprised you called me. And I said, I'm surprised I'm getting all these calls. I said, because everybody ought to know what I think. <laughs> I mean, if there is a preacher in this, this brotherhood that you ought to know what he thinks, I ought to be that one. <laughs> because I believe that the Bible is the word of God and I believe that everything that God wants us to do he put it in the book I believe that I believe that, I believe that. Yes, sir. and it does not matter it doesn't matter about anything else what it matters about is is it in the book uh, does it receive authority from the word of God you know, that's, that's what's important. Well, what, and, and you know what has been floating around, and, and wittingly or unwittingly, I'm not in, don't, don't know about that. But the question uh, that's being asked is the question on instrumental music. That's the question. Now, how it got started, that, that, you, you, you can figure that out for yourself. But I'm going to deal with the question. And I'm not dealing with the question any different than I dealt with it 30 or 40 years ago. 
No different. All you need to do is just pick up our tapes, praise the name of Jesus, 1970, 1968, and find the one on instrumental music. Praise the name of Jesus. And the reason I haven't changed is because the Bible hasn't changed. Well, I haven't changed. The Bible hasn't changed. And, and I believe it. And what then is the question? The question is very simple. The question is that um, uh, the, 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 the Holy Bible teaches that mechanical instruments of music in New Testament worship is a sin. All right. Now, I not only said that, but I backed that up. All right. I backed that up. It, 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 it always has been a sin. All right. It always has been a sin. Ever since the Bible was written, it was a sin with regard to the New Testament church. Now, some folk defend it by saying, well, we like it. Well, there's a lot of things you might like that will keep you out of heaven. Now, now I'm saying that, uh, that mechanical instruments of music in New Testament worship is a sin. It's a sin. And I'm prepared to back that up. It's a sin. Uh, and the reason it is a sin because it has no authority. That's right in the New Testament church. Now you, you, you will look all night, all day, and all next week, and you will never find authority for mechanical instruments of music in New Testament worship. And, and, then, and, then, and then we have folk who have taken another curve. They say, well, what is worship? I mean, what, what, what is worship? Where in the Bible do we see uh, uh, an instant of uh, 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 a worship service? Where, 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 I don't have time to deal with that. I, I really don't have time to do that. I want to get to something else. But uh, I just want to say to you, if you think I believe that Jesus would leave the richest coats in glory, Come down to this low land of sorrow, beaten, humiliated, and hung on a cross, and died the most ignominious death that a person could die, buried in a borrowed tomb, went through all of that, and built a church established on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. You mean to tell me that, 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 that my Lord went through all of that, coming down from heaven, dying on the cross, building a church that he promised to build in Matthew 16, 18, got on the cloud, went back to heaven, and didn't tell the folk that would be a part of it how to worship? I mean, how ridiculous can that be? You mean to tell me that the master died, gave his blood for one church, but he forgot or intentionally refused to tell us how to worship him in that church? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Of course, 
Uh, I can substantial. Well, what is worship? Um, John 4.24, I could quote. But let me, let me just give you uh, a principle uh, for worship that uh, one of my professors uh, gave us uh, years ago. It's not, it's not in the Bible, but he just gave us this definition of uh, uh, worship. He said, worship is that time when you bring the gods that you have made before the God that made you. Now, you may have missed that, but I want you to think about that for the moment. You see, worship is that time when you bring the God that you have made before to be judged by the God that made you. And, and most folk don't like to be judged. And we bring our God, but we don't want anybody to talk about our gods. You know, we, 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 we don't come to church and we're not as faithful as we ought to be. Let me get off there because it sounds like I'm fussing at you. And, and I don't know you. I'm, I'm not fussing at you. I, I'm, I'm just trying to make a point. And that is, and I, and I hope that I'm doing it in a way that you don't feel intimidated. And what I'm saying to you is that worship begins in the spirit. It is engaged in the soul. And it is manifested in the body. Now you may have missed that too. But, uh, but, but let me try it again. Worship. John 4, 24. Begins. It doesn't begin when the song leader gets up. It, 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 it doesn't be. Oh, let me, let me leave that alone. See, worship begins in your spirit. Not the song leader's spirit. Your spirit. You shouldn't have to wait until the song leader get to doing his di gyrations. When you come to church, you need to come with a mindset that places you in an atmosphere where you personally can communicate with God through your spirit. If your spirit never get connected to God, you can sing all night. Won't do you any good. So worship begins in the spirit. It's engaged in the soul. And then it is exercised in the body. So when, when Sister Jones sitting back there when the, when the singing gets good, you see, you see her close her eyes and start doing this. Well, she in tune now, boy. Yeah, she in tune. It doesn't matter who's on my right. It doesn't matter who's on her left. She just, yeah, she's in, in touch with God. And instruments of music, mechanical instruments of of music have no place 
and New Testament worship. No place. No place. And there is not a man or woman alive that can give you the verse where, where mechanical instruments of music was authorized in New Testament worship. They don't exist. I have debated this question across this nation with scholars, with non-scholars, with people who thought they knew the Bible. And all I ask is, come up here. Well, that time we had blackboards. You're all not that old. Um, uh, uh, I drew a circle on the blackboard and says, now put the scripture in that circle that authorizes instrumental music in New Testament worship. And that circle is still vacant because there is no scripture. There is no scripture. Well, uh, you know, because we can't find the scripture doesn't mean that we can't do it. You see, now, 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 now this thing is really getting serious. If you follow that logic, if you follow that logic, what scripture forbids us from sprinkling as a mode of baptism? I know you're right. What, what scripture prevents me from sprinkling a baby uh, for the purpose of salvation? That's right. There's nowhere in the Bible that says thou shalt not sprinkle a baby. That have to be. When God tells us what to do. That eliminates what you don't have any business doing. The, the Bible commands us to baptize. Still right. And that's what he wants us to do. And so it's important that we uh, understand the dynamics of this. I suppose probably uh, the easiest way uh, to answer those who may think that uh, instrumental music uh, is acceptable in the sight of God. Now, my position is very plain. I want to be sure you understand me. My position is that, uh, and I gave it to you in my, pro in, in my proposition, and that is that instrumental music in New Testament worship is a sin. And the reason it is a sin because it doesn't have any authority. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. And there is no authority. Now, I know folks say, well, it sounds good. Maybe it does sound good, but, but there's no authority for it. And I would suggest to those of you who love the Lord that you don't allow yourselves to, you, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, and, and I've had the cases that I'm giving you, I'm giving you personal experience. I've had the case where, uh, you know, where uh, I've had conversation with people and, and they said that uh, uh, the, the minister, uh, he lacks it. But all the members of the church does not like it, but he lacks it. Well, and what should we do about that, Brother Washington? I won't tell you what I told her because you, you think that'd be a little cruel. Um, <laughs> 
But anytime you do not, have, anytime you have a man who does not recognize the plain teaching of the Word of God, then there's a serious problem. And we are headed. We are headed down a dark road here. We're headed down a dark road. You see, we're letting stuff out of the closet that it's going to be hard to get back in. Well, say amen when you can. I mean, let me just say a word. And I know, I, you know, and I'm not angry with anybody, and I'm trying not trying to put anybody on the spot. I'm just simply saying that whatever you do in words or deed, do all by the authority of Jesus Christ. That's all I'm saying. That, 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 that's all I'm saying. And uh, so, but we're letting a lot of stuff out of the closet. You know, some congregations sound in worship like a nightclub. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, what I'm saying is, you own your way somewhere that you're not going to be happy with when it ends up. You say, well, what, what Doc, we know how far to go. Yeah, but what about that grandchild of yours? See, as Mama said, you, you, you may be dead and gone. See, you can handle the scripture. You may know how far to go. But that doesn't mean that that grandchild would know how far to go. By the time that grandchild uh, reaches 21 years of age, ain't no telling how he sees that. Now, uh, there's no authority for it. That's number one. No authority. I can stop right there. There's no authority for it. Now, now you can politicize it if you want to, but I say there's no authority for it. Number two, you cannot do it by faith. You can't do it by faith. You, you cannot have instrumental music in New Testament worship and do it by faith. Because faith comes by hearing the word. And there is no substantiation for instrumental music in the word. And if it's not in the word, you cannot perform it by faith. And if you can't do it by faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, and not only not only that, let me just give you this and then I, I'll let you go. And that is, um, let's be careful. See, let, let, let's be careful what we let in. Our worship. See, you, you preachers, be careful. I know you're educated. I know you got all the degrees and things like that. But, but be careful what you let in. Because if what you start, you might not be able to finish just, just, just be careful because once those skeletons come out of the religious closet, ain't no going back in there. No going back in there. And so you got to, you got to be very careful about. Uh, you, let, let me just say this. I don't, I don't mean any harm. Let me just. I'm not looking. For, I'm not looking for no meeting. I'm not looking for no gospel meeting. Uh, praise the name of Jesus. Uh, uh, what, what I'm trying to help you with is. Uh, you, you be careful how far you go 
with, with these modernistic trends. Now, I, I mean, I, I see you beatboxing. I mean, I hear you beatboxing. And beatboxing was started by uh, uh, the rap groups in 1980. Now we are beatboxing. Be careful now. Be careful where that stuff's gonna lead. Be careful. And once you let it out of the closet, you say that sometimes we do it because we want to be smarter than God. You know, there's no trumpets in here. There's no drums in here. There's no organs in here. There's no drums in here. There's no instruments in here. No, I see that. But you making the drum sound with your mouth. See, I, I know, I, I know, I know what this kind of preaching will do. But what I'm telling you, you had best be careful. And now quickly, let me just say this. In, in the Old Testament, in, in, the old, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, let me make this argument. I, I got a lot of arguments here, but let me, let's, let me make this argument. In the Old Testament, three things are clear. Three things are clear. Three things are clear about what God expected for musical praise. Uh, three things the people did that God accepted for musical praise in the Old Testament. Now, I want to give them to you. You can write them down. Number one, in the Old Testament, God accepted singing, vocal singing in the New Testament. I mean, the Old Testament. Now, the reason we know that is because of Psalm chapter 40 and verse 3, and he had put a new song in my mouth, even praise. Sing unto our God. God accepted that. God accepted singing in the Old Testament. Psalms 51 and verse 14 and verse 15, David says, my tongue shall sing your righteousness. Singing was accepted by God in the Old Testament. Psalm 71 in verse 23, David said, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee. Psalms 149 in verse 1, David said, sing unto the Lord a new song. And then in Psalms, Isaiah 52 in verse number 8, the Bible says, with their voices... This just happened to be a cappella. With their voices, they shall sing together. Now, all of that's a cappella. So, a cappella singing was accepted in the Old Testament. Now, the next thing I want you to know, which is number two, God accepted musical instrumental praise. But a cappella singing and musical uh, praise was not the same thing. 
singing, vocal singing that God accepted as musical praise in the Old Testament, God accepted that. But he also accepted mechanical instruments of music. This is the second thing that he, uh, that he accepted. Now, over 125 verses in the, in, in the Old Testament uh, vouchsafe the case that God did in fact accept singing because the people of God sang to God and God accepted the singing. Now, over 60 verses in the Old Testament, God accepted musical, instrumental music uh, as praise to him. Now, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible says, um, uh, David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord. Psalm 43 and verse 4, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. We all know what Psalms 150 says. So God accepted singing. That's one thing. And he also accepted musical praise as well. But they're two different things. See, singing is, not, singing is not instrumental. Singing is vocal. And God accepted that. Uh, David played on the harp, and they, they had the trumpets, and you know, read 150 something, and, and, and God, God accepted that. But that's not all God accepted. Number three, God accepted the dances of his people. You don't hear much about that. Uh, but I suppose before too long, you see, once you start letting this stuff out of the closet, it's already here. It, it, oh my God, it's already here. You see, now, now, that means I got I, I do another hour on this business. <laughs> I'm behind the time. But can you imagine that members of the body of Christ is dancing in worship? Now, what does that mean? That means that there was a void in that pulpit. That's what it means. Anybody want to tell the truth? There's a, void, there's a void in the pulpit. Or there's a void in leadership. To allow that kind of carrying on in New Testament worship. But that's not my point. Number one, God accepted, and I want you to get this now. God accepted vocal singing. God accepted it, the musical instruments. Uh, in, in musical praise to him and God even accepted the dance uh, you know in, in the 15th chapter of the book of Exodus Miriam danced 2nd Samuel chapter 6 and verse 14 David danced before the Lord Psalms 149 and verse 3 let them praise his name with the dance and then Psalms 150 and verse 24 praise him with timbrel and the dance so we got three things here now but here's what you need to understand and, and I'm going to quit. Um, God was clear about what he accepted. There was no doubt about does God accept singing? Yes, the Bible says so. There was no doubt about whether God accepted musical instrument in the Old Testament. God says so. There, there, there was no... There was no 
doubt about God accepting the dance in the Old Testament. God accepted those three things. He accepted them. And nobody argues that. I don't argue the Bible. When the Bible says a thing, I believe that. I believe what the Bible says. I don't argue that. I don't, I don't debate that. That's, that's Bible. I believe that. In the Old Testament, he accepted singing, vocal singing. In the Old Testament, he accepted musical instruments. In the Old Testament, he accepted the dance as musical praise uh, to him. He accepted all that stuff. And he was clear. He was clear about accepting singing. He was clear about accepting musical instrument. You couldn't worship God with any kind of instrument. He was clear about that stuff. Dances. He was clear about that. But when you get to the New Testament, here's where the rubber meets the road. When you get to the New Testament, the only thing that God accepted in the New Testament was vocal singing. Now, in the Old Testament, we find the music, we find the dance, but you don't find that in the New Testament. What you find in the New Testament is vocal singing. Now, of course, I mean, those of you who have heard Sam down through the years, he got this from me, but uh, he quotes all those uh, nine verses where it says, sing, 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 sing. And then he added some things to it. And if you're not singing, you need to be in sing, sing. You know? Um, uh, but, 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 uh, but all, all, all three of these things God accepted. But you will never find. Now the question is, did God accept singing, vocal singing in the Old Testament? Yes. Now did God accept uh, musical instrument in the Old Testament? Yes. Did God, ex did God accept dancing in the New Testament uh, in the worship of Yes. But the question is, did he accept it? Did he approve it in the New Testament? The only thing God brought over was that vocal singing. The dancing, the musical instruments, he did not bring over. And there is not a man alive that can take the Bible, the word of God, and show and find where there were uh, there were musical instruments in New Testament worship. Now, I heard somebody, I don't know where, I think somebody called me and said, well, you know, they, they went to the temple and because they went to the temple, didn't they have music in the, no, they asked me the question. They said, doctor, uh, they didn't have the Christian, the early Christian, I didn't have church to go to. So uh, they, they, they worship with the Jews in the temple. The Bible teaches that. Jesus went to the temple and Peter and James uh, went to the temple and, and they had musical instruments in the temple. But my question is, how do you know that? Who told you that? Who told you that there were musical instruments, the, the Jews had miracle, uh, musical instrument in the temple after A.D. 70? 
No history. Now you can check Josephus, you can check whomever you want, Pliny, you can check whomever you want to. Uh, they attest to the fact that there were no musical instruments because they went from the temple to the synagogue. The synagogue became more prevalent than the temple did. And there was, there was no uh, worship with music in the temple after AD 70. None. That's history. They want to argue with history. We can argue with history. Yeah. But even if we, uh, even if we believe history, and even if, uh, even if uh, uh, my position on this is no musical instrument in that temple, Jews are not worshiping because there was no musical instruments in the synagogue. But even if there were, find the verse. Find the verse. Where a group of New Testament, without saying that they went to the temple and having gone to the temple, uh, there was musical instruments in the temple. Well, you got to prove that. You got to prove that. You don't get away with that. You got to prove that. First of all, you got to tell me the date that you're talking about. And then we're going to have to check to see whether or not that was the case. Or whether or not Josephus was actually telling the truth. Or whether or not we can verify what Josephus is saying. That after AD 70, there were no instruments in the temple. The Jews stopped worshiping with instruments. But even if that were true, even if the other side was, was true, there is no verse. And then Paul said, in Acts chapter 20, he said, I have kept nothing. I have kept back nothing that was profitable under you. And nowhere did Paul authorize. But he said a lot about singing, vocal singing, but nothing about instruments and music. And then he says, I have declared unto you the whole counsel of God. Will you take that whole council and find me in mechanical instruments and music in New Testament worship? Find the verse. The Bible said when Jesus went to the temple, he stood up. Yeah. <laughs> and he found the verse. Find the verse. I don't say to all of you Christians who believe the Bible to be the word of God. Don't you let anybody tell you that mechanical instruments and music is authorized by the Bible. Well, we do a lot of things not authorized. Don't you have announcement? You didn't hear what I said. I said, what's up? Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> New Testament worship. Talk, talk, talk. And, and so, and so I, I've come here to tell you 
Stand on the Bible. Stand on the word of God. And don't let nobody move you off of the word. And, and just know that if you stand on the word and you demand book, chapter, and verse, you'll be on safe grounds. You'll be on safe grounds. And the second thing is, be careful what you let in. I can't say that, I can't say that enough. Be careful what you let in. I don't care who likes it. You be careful what you let in. Because somebody's sitting there while they be boxing and whatever else they're doing, I mean, they're doing something else. You know what I'm saying? They, I mean, they, you, think, you think it's God, but it ain't God. I mean, I mean they're getting their freak on. And you, you, you see, be careful what you let in. Be careful what you let in. Now, I, I know that, I, I know this, this kind of preaching is not popular. I know that. I, I know that. But, uh, but, but I'm going to preach it until I die. Because I know. As Brother Keeper said years ago, Brother Keeper said, uh, uh, boys, I'd rather be standing on the word and even be in heaven. We thought that was outlandish. And we said, what? You'd rather be standing on the word than to be in heaven? He said, yeah. He said, son, because heaven is going to go back as a great scroll. But the word of God will stand forever. It'll stand forever. And so be not dismayed, whatever be tied, you're on solid ground when you speak to yourselves in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16, Colossians, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number, when you do it like the Bible says do it, you're on solid ground. And stand up for truth. Temperature. Now, you, you sisters, stand up for truth. You brothers, stand up for truth. And we have some strong sisters in our church, in our churches. And, 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 and you need to speak up when something ain't going right. Now, I'm not saying take over the church. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying take over the church. I know, I know. I know, I got a wife and two daughters, I know. I know all they need is a New York minute and they got it and gone. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is stand for the truth. And you preachers, stand for the truth. Preach the word. Preach, it's gonna be all right, just preach the word. You, you're not gonna baptize anybody sounding like some of these places sound. That doesn't baptize anybody. I don't know why we think that baptizes folk. What it does is call folk to come to worship for the wrong thing. Oh, I mean, we get it on. Well, who are you baptizing? Are you all baptizing anybody? No, we haven't baptized anybody in a couple of years. But we get it on every Sunday. 
Well, I love you, and, um, and there's nothing you can do about it. I, I love you anyway. But when it comes to the word of God, when it comes for standing on the truth, you don't have to worry about where Dr. Washington is. He's on the book. He's on the book. Doesn't matter about anything else. He's on the book. Because I must stand before just God. And I'm not going to jeopardize my theology or my belief in God and the word of God based on somebody I think is a friend. That's not happening. That's not happening. I feed you if you're hungry and I loan you some money if I think you're going to pay me back. But... But I'm not going to waver from what thus saith the Lord. God bless you tonight. After, and you've been just kind. You've been very, very kind. But I just wanted you to know that uh, the Bible is still right. It was right 30 years ago and it's still right. It's still right. And it's going to be right until Jesus come back in the final resurrection. God bless you and God keep you. Now if you're here tonight and you want to say yes to the Lord, and you want to say yes to Jesus Christ, you want the church to pray for you, you want strength, you, you've, been, you've been inspired by this great lectureship, and you're going back home now fortified, ready to go to work, ready to go to work. You're going to go back and you're going to do more than just sing. You're going to get in that community and you're going to knock on some doors. You're going to pass out some literature. You're going to see how many folk you can baptize for the Lord before this year is up in addition to your singing. You see, some churches, uh, you know, Paul said to the church at, um, uh, at the, I believe the church at Philippi, he said, uh, uh, when I heard of your faith, and, and sometimes we don't hear about churches until they, until they get a good singing group. But Paul said, when I heard of your faith, see, it's the faith that distinguishes you. Not your singing, it's your faith. And I'm not against singing. I'm not against singing because we have groups down there where I, uh, you know, where I preach. I'm not against singing. I'm not against, uh, I'm not apologizing for what I talked here tonight, but I'm just simply saying that I'm not, I'm progressive enough to appreciate uh, good singing. And uh, I, I enjoy uh, good group singing. Uh, the only group singing I don't enjoy are groups that can't sing. But I, I <laughs> But, but, but I enjoy good singing. And, and if you were here tonight and you want to say yes to the Lord, you've been wonderful, you've been kind. And if you want a, the church to pray for you, we'll pray. And if you happen to be in the house and you're not a child of God, you need to say yes to Jesus right now. Right now. And if, if you are getting out of here on Friday or you're getting out on Thursday, you're driving back to your different places overboard, and you want the church to pray for you, and uh, you have something on your heart you need to get off before you get on the road or before you go up in the air, then you come forward, we'll pray for you because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Please be standing. And while we're standing, 